episode 7 of Unmapped is brought to you by no one because I'm not sponsored yet but you know what I am I'm on iTunes and Pocket Cast and Google Play Music and Podbean and like all the other apps because I spent all last weekend making my own website and uh, making my own RSS feed and putting my podcast up on everything so if you guys have not listened to any of the episodes yet you no longer have an excuse that it's just on YouTube and you don't want to listen to it because it's going to be in the background and you're lazy and you don't want to just have a tab open on the side there um, unless you just don't want to hear me talking but um, I, I get that too but anyways um, yeah I will be uploading uh, all of my uh, podcast episodes there slowly as of right now only episode one is up there just because the fact that I wanted to do a test run before I actually started putting out all of the other episodes but all of them will slowly but surely end up on my RSS feed and on all of the podcast apps that are out there Um, but for those who are listening to this episode and have been avidly following me making these episodes thank you I love your faces and I appreciate you being here and now I'm going to tell you uh, who I'm talking to on this one. I'm talking to an interesting character with a background in business. Biz, ooh, words, man. Um, background in business operations. He's a 20-year-old. He's a senior. Super interesting guy with a very, very out-of-the-norm um, experiences. Um, and, uh, yeah, we talk about a lot of stuff, so enjoy. So I couldn't hear myself in my ear. Also, another thing that happens is that when I have my headphones in when I'm listening, I hear myself and then I hear you guys through the mic. So I don't hear myself like talking. Yeah. It's like that's why I was telling you. You know, how I was telling you that this is kind of like a uh, what's the word that I used? Out of body experience, not out of body. Um, uh, euphoria. Euphoric. Yeah, it's euphoric because when I have the headphones in, I hear my voice first and then I hear other people's voices. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. Where was your class at? I feel like I was like walking you like in the complete opposite direction. No, I realized I realized that um, as I walked to your class to the building that you had to go, um, that I actually had class and Harriman, which is oh, where did it take my next to it before? Yeah, before. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to where I was supposed to go, and I just ended up going past my class. Do you always do these with the lights off? Yes, because I I feel as though if I had a podcast and it was light. And I was just looking at their face the entire time with light. The vibe would be kind of weird. Um, I feel like it wouldn't be the same. So Where it's like a dim light LED better. LED scenario where it's just like, hey. Okay. I like I like that. I like, I like that. That's cool. <laughs> put thought into this. Yeah. I want it to be a nice environment where a person will feel very comfortable having a conversation in. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. It's conversation vibes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> did you come up with this like from the beginning as like a protocol or do you learn it over the first couple of episodes? Um... No, I actually, I, like, envisioned what my room would look like for the podcast during the summer. Before, like, anything. Before the semester really? started, before school started, I was like, I want my room to look like this. So you the said podcast you were going to cool. like, how long have you had, like, the idea? I want you to just move in a little closer. Oh, wait, so closer where? Just, like, a little bit closer, so the mic can pick you up better. Yeah, you're good there. Okay. I had this idea originally with, um... Right here. Yeah, no, you're fine. Okay, okay. With, um, a couple of people from the room. Um, all of us, what we realized was... Um, all the conversations that we had uh, in 
like college, like all the ones where like you you've been to our room multiple times. Like we're sitting around a table, yeah. and all of us are, should probably get work done. Yeah. But inevitably, none of us get work done, and we're just talking about something very profane or like profound. Not profane. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> profound yeah, yeah. and like something that's like you know philosophical in in base or something that's like you know something that's eye opening or you know just, just talking to each other. And we thought about that. It's like, I mean, that has a big impact on who we became. And a lot of people get, they don't miss out on conversations like that. So, I mean, if you, I, we thought to ourselves, like, if we put out our conversations like this, like, it could definitely impact people. And we also kind of thought we were, like, funny. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no, totally, <laughs> totally. We're like, yo, we're hilarious. We should just, people should, like, love our content. Like, they would yeah, love what we no, put yeah, out. Totally. So I thought it would be, like, cool. But, I mean, Originally, what we wanted it to be would be, like, spontaneous conversation where, like, someone would just start recording in the middle of a conversation. Okay. But if you try, we try, like, I tried to do that. Okay. Um, it wouldn't work. Uh, it just, really? It was off because, like, you'd bring a mic out or, like, yeah. you'd start recording in the middle of a conversation and, like, the flow was just not good. Like, it wasn't, like... You tried ma- bringing a mic out, like, in the middle of a conversation yeah, and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I would like bring out my laptop and I would record without people knowing, but then I realized people don't like being recorded without knowing. And yeah, I, was like, yeah, I realized like that's a breach of privacy. Even if I did tell them at the end of it, it's like, oh, like I was recording. Like that's like a totally legitimate concern. Yeah, yeah. which is again another big reason why it's like I'm staying anonymous with all the stuff that I put out is because uh, people in their twenties like don't want. If you're smart, you don't want to be affiliated with stuff that would get you in trouble with a, a corporation of any sorts, especially with like today's political climate where everything can get you in trouble you yeah, say one yeah, thing yeah. wrong and you say one thing that's you know i don't know you know, offend someone in some way or some manner you can get fired from your job yeah i mean recently there's someone on fox who uh got fired from her from her job for saying something i forgot what it was it had something to do with uh she wasn't as sympathetic or empathetic as she should have been to she the, said something bad about the las vegas yeah shooting. about the las vegas shooting something like something like really insensitive I've, yeah but like she yeah. was she was definitely discussing like uh rifle laws like the but she, it was like a really bad bad joke or something right like yeah it was it was well. something that was just like insensitive yeah and because of that she got fired from her position yeah and like a day later she's like i'm sorry like i was insensitive in this and that and but I mean, she's, it, still, she's still fired yeah too little yeah. too late like she yeah, got fired from her position late. she can't do anything about it now but i mean just stuff like that it stands out like you can't say things and expect to not get in trouble now just because with social media with just like putting yourself out there like you say one wrong thing it's like it's out there for everyone um, yeah, and you can easily get yourself in trouble for just saying something. Totally true. So, uh, the, one of the first things I wanted to actually get into is I never asked you this question and I feel like I should, cause I've known you for so many years. I don't know what major you are. Oh, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a business management and operations major. Business yeah. management and operations major. With a concentration in entrepreneurship. Ah, oh, that sounds exactly like you. <laughs> yeah. That sounds perfect. Yeah. So what made you originally go into that major? Like, was that a decision, like, off the back, you wanted to do that, you wanted to be an entrepreneur, or it was, like, once you got here, that's kind of what you, you picked up on, or, like, you, you enjoyed the classes the most? Um, yeah, like, so I started, uh, I, I started high school wanting to become a vet, so mm-hmm. I went to, like, an out-of-district school, like, 30 kids were accepted to this program, like, out-of-district, like, I got bussed, like, 45 minutes each way to the school. Mm-hmm. And, like, a year into this program, like, I started shadowing vets, and there was, like, three vets that I shadowed, and at the the end of the first, like, the first day with the third vet, like, I saw a dog get put down. Oh, you couldn't And that was it, it for me. Like, I saw it. the family crying. Like, I saw the assistant, like, the vet tech that was next to me just uh, crying yeah, over, like, this random, like, that. dog, and I was, like, just sitting at the, like, the... 
how, the how waiting room watching the family i was like in sophomore year of high school yeah but i was I like crying cry. i was just oh, like God. i was just like <laughs> you know like what am i supposed to do so i was like i can't i right. can't be a vet so I, I did all four years of high school like pre-vet basically mm-hmm. and then what, did your high school have was it like a technical high school where you yeah it was like an agriculture oh, program okay. high school so i was in like ffa and all that but after that i realized that i just want to like own my own business like my mom owned her own business. Oh, really? So what what business is she? She's uh she's a dentist, so she has two of her own practices. Oh wow, look at that. Yeah, so I was gonna like that. I mean, before being a vet, like that's what I've been like geared towards my whole life. Like I've worked at her office for like eight nine years. I was supposed to be a dentist. You were supposed to be a dentist. Ideally, I mean, yeah. You have great teeth. So. Yeah, graduate school <laughs> and take over her practices. That was like that's like the plan that my parents always had for me, but. But you don't want to take over the business. I like the business like aspect of it. Like but you I, don't like the the business itself that they have. Like I the, like that dentistry. The aspect of having your own something you're like but not dentistry. that you're responsible for. I just don't like dentistry. Okay, you don't want to be yeah. a dentist. I just don't want to be a dentist. Okay, good. I, 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 I don't think anyone really likes a dentist. I can't do it. <laughs> no, it's it's not. I like the idea of a dentist. I like, yeah, I like, it's necessary. I like the feeling of after you go to a dentist, like you had the cleaning and everything. Yeah. But the entire twenty minutes where you're sitting there with your mouth open and they're just in your mouth, it's like. Like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah, you got it. Get, yes. No, there was, uh, the last time I went to my dentist, um, she said something. She's like, you have great teeth. And I was like, thank you. But my mouth was still wide open with like the thing that sucks the yeah, water. Yeah, the suction, yeah. And I was trying to say thank you. And I realized right after I said thank you, I'm a goddamn retard for trying to say <laughs> thank you. With that in my mouth. <laughs> she, she looked at me. She's like, why would you respond? I'm like, why would you ask me a question? Why would you ask a question? Why would you say something to me? <laughs> This is on you. <laughs> yeah, my mom asks questions all the time, expecting an answer. I'm just like looking at her, like you're not gonna get an answer. <laughs> you can't talk. So you didn't want to get into dentistry. Yeah. So um, that was but then you wanted to get into business. So what would you say was the first like, uh, like, kind of awakening moment where you're like, I want my own business. I want something that I can call mine. Honestly, like the the inspiration just for having my own business started like a long time ago like when i just saw my parents like take off a day of work whenever they wanted to because it was their business like right. it was my mom's business like she planned her schedule she took off wednesdays like and the weekends because she mm-hmm. was just like i need to spend more time with my kids mm-hmm. like that freedom and like the freedom of hiring your own people especially right, right. like i've like out of any like out of every aspect of her business i think the hardest part she has to deal with is not the dentistry it's not the insurance or the building or any of the paperwork or anything like that it's mm-hmm. getting the right people like I've to seen work for you right like, like I've seen employees sure. come in and out like the turnover rate for her office is insane like over mm-hmm. the course of a year she'll have 10 different employees like mm, wow. doing x-rays and stuff I mean, yeah, it's think, hard to find for good people yeah that's probably the, one of the toughest decisions uh, to have like a smooth operation uh, for any business yeah um, my, my pops actually he recently got promoted to being a supervisor uh, at the NYPD and um, he, oh your dad's a cop yeah oh, I, I didn't know, know that uh, yeah it's uh, he's, he was I mean he's, he wasn't like a um he wasn't like a like a regular officer. He was a traffic agent, okay, which is okay. honestly controversially like worse. Okay, uh, people hate him. <laughs> uh, I mean, he gives he's the guy that gives tickets. But the thing is, like, if you're an immigrant and like you don't really have that many options, like that's one of the best jobs. Like getting any government job is really one of the best decisions yeah. you can make. The pension, yeah, the pension, benefits. the the health benefits. Yeah, like if he didn't have that job, like I wouldn't have any opportunities. Like I would straight, I would have been screwed. Um, but he recently, uh, the last couple of years, got promoted to supervisor. Um, he used to, he worked in Manhattan for a while, and now he switched over to Queens. And now that he's working there, like he, he knows multiple languages, like multiple uh, Indian languages. Like he knows Pakistani, he knows uh, Hindi, he knows Bengali. So he is fluent in all these languages. So everyone that's working there, like when they talk to him, like 
they have this like sense of like brotherhood with him and like he's like he knows the language yeah and he knows the language and he can like kind of talk to them on like a like a person-to-person level a lot better and because of that like everyone that works there has also told him like to biz like our um like like our pound um has been working better because because you're here now like you've been able to integrate everyone like properly and like it just goes to show like one employee can make such a big difference on like all the employees totally so how large is the scale of your uh, of your mom's business? Um, practice for twenty years has been open. Mm-hmm. She had about three to four thousand regular patients, and mm-hmm. then a couple years ago she three opened. To, wait, did you say three to four thousand? Yeah, like oh, regular that's patients. Pretty, that's a pretty good big yeah, time a, base. Yeah. yeah, it's a busy schedule. She's a she's a really good dentist. Okay. And then uh, a couple years back, she opened another office in Clark, which is about eight miles away. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it's. Actually, really interesting because Roselle is a very heavy black community, and Clark mm-hmm. is a very, very staunchly white community. Mm-hmm. So the way you have to treat patients in like eight very miles different. apart, very different. The way the police treat people, very mm-hmm. different. Like it's pretty yeah. interesting to watch. But no, yeah, it's. It, I mean, yeah. uh, being someone from New York, yeah, uh, I 100 percent noticed that difference. I used to live in Queens, and I was in Richmond Hill, uh, which was five minutes away from Kew Gardens. So Richmond Hill was a prom- predominantly like immigrant area, uh, or like Hispanics, African Americans. Um, and like you, you'd walk like five minutes and the house values would go from around four to 500,000. This is around like 2009, 2010 to put in perspective yeah. around four to 5,000 or 500,000. And it would go, it would jump up to eight to one, $1.2 million for a house. And like, you'd see like literally in a five minute walk, it would change like the entire atmosphere, the people, the, just like everything would change. It's like, it's crazy. Like I, just like little shifts in area can yeah. completely change like who's there and what's going on in that neighborhood. Totally, yeah. So, so you picked a business major because of your mom's business, right? Yeah, like I just I started working there from like middle school, and then years and years I mm-hmm. worked there. But like I I didn't like the dentistry part as much as I liked inventory management and okay. billing and handling accounts. So the numbers game. Yeah, like I like handling okay. the business operations, and that's why I chose operations because I just genuinely liked running my mom's practice. Huh, that's like, cool. Yeah. So do you have any idea of what business you would want to run later on down the line? I don't know. I'm split between like coming up with and you know, like my own idea, my own platform mm-hmm. that I can build on and grow like organically, mm-hmm. or just taking a franchise and building it slowly and investing a lot of capital in the beginning. So either of those options are on the table. But. I'd say given your background and like how you want freedom, I feel as though though franchising is more solid, probably yeah. something that would yeah. have more uh, like a concrete backbone to it. Um, probably starting off like something organic of your own would be something. That's what I want. Ideally, prefer because yeah. it'd be your like it'd be your child. Like you'd have this. This is mine. I made this. No but one you're else completely did this. responsible yeah. for that. But that would be a lot more work. It would yeah, totally. Be starting a lot from more scratch, risk. from nothing, like just grinding. They like. Like, I, I've had this discussion with a lot of people where I tell them, it's like, I don't want a job. And every time I've told them that I don't want a job, they start getting fearful for me. They're like, what do you mean you don't want a job? It's like, I don't want to work. Like, I just don't want to work. And when I tell them that, they they immediately think of it as like, like, you just, you want to be a bomb? Like, like you're being do? lazy? You're being, yeah, you're being yeah. lazy. Like, you don't want to work? I'm like, no, I'm probably going to work a lot more than someone with a job. Like, inevitably, like, I would be, like, every single day would be like, like, 12, like, 15 hours of, like, me doing something. But it's like, something that I want to do, something that's yeah. like, I'm, I know that I'm doing this for me. Like you're investing in yourself. Yeah. Right. It's not something for anyone else, not for a company, not for a corporation. It's for me. It's for my company. And yeah, exactly. Like it's going to be more difficult. I'm not saying that I don't want to work. Like that's the yeah, harder route to take. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I don't want to like put in work. It's just the fact that I don't want to have a job or like quote unquote, like, you know, like a career. Or, I get, I get it. I, mean? I get it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, 
today more than like our past, it's been a lot more common where it's possible to do that. Um, there's been way more startups, way more people who have been starting their own companies. They're doing their own thing. They take control of like what they want to do. And um, I don't know. I think it's more possible now, you know, with stuff like GoFundMe, uh, things like Kickstarter, things just like, you know, there, there are people who can support you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before, like back in the day, if you want to start a company, it's like, it's just you. Yeah. You know, like yeah, now totally. it's like, yeah, it's just you, but people can support you. There's a community there yeah. like for support. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It, it's completely different. And I, I think it's it's awesome. Like, I think because of that, we're going to progress, progress more as people. It's yeah. definitely something that's cool. Uh, okay. So um, from that, I want to kind of go into where you've been in the world. Okay. Um, just because that's also a very interesting part of you. You've been to a lot of places. So I want to go to the first time uh, you either... I don't want to say just left the state, but I want to say like the first time you really went like out of your comfort zone to somewhere, you know, different. Like destination wise. Yes. Um, okay. So All right. Okay, so in middle school, my my mom was still a dentist. Mm-hmm. She worked uh with Carnival Cruise Lines mm-hmm. uh cuz the workers on the cruise ships are there for 6 months. Right. So uh, or more, so they need dental care while they're on the ship, right? So usually Wait, she was a dentist on it. Yeah, so Carnival ship, Carnival will contract out dentists uh, every now and then for ships. So like so, and whenever there's a cruise ship anywhere, there's always a dentist on the ship. Really? To I did not to know service that. the workers. So for every summer in middle school, we used to just come with my mom for three, four, or five weeks on like a Carnival ship and just go with the ship. That is. Awesome. Yeah, so sixth sixth grade was probably was the first summer we, we were doing this, and she was a dentist with Carnival. So, and the first trip was out of Seattle. So we flew to Seattle, took a ship out from Washington, and then we did Alaska, the coastline mm-hmm. of Alaska. So it was like the first time I was really like on a boat, you know, like completely away from home, just mm-hmm. like on the other side of the country, like in a completely different atmosphere, completely different animals, completely right. different people, like. It was it was crazy. I learned how to swim on that trip, but uh, I think that opened my eyes to like what's out there. What's out there? Like yeah. I, you meet people that like have lived in like the same town their entire life from birth, mm-hmm. and then you meet people that have like traveled, live, gone out of yeah. their state, have gone out of their country, and like even if like if they're twins, right? Like mm-hmm. in this hypothetical, if there's twins and one of them lived in the town, one of them traveled, and you talk to them after forty years, like they're gonna be different people. They are gonna be different. Travel people. changes you. Because travel isn't just travel. Travel, it, it means, you know, yeah. people. It means culture. It means just everything. Like, you completely change, you know, every single aspect of, of what you kind of absorb. Uh, right. What you get to take in. Um, what makes other people people. Right. Um, like, I'm taking this uh, phenomenology course right now. And uh, I love talking about philosophy stuff. Like, it's just it's really interesting stuff to me. Um, and one of the things we're talking about now is Husserl. Is, uh, he's a... Um, Talks about meditation. Uh, I think it's called. Uh, I want to say, his Husserl's meditations. I, f- I forgot the name of the, the book. I should. Oh, Cartesian meditations. That's what it is. Um, but in his uh, fifth meditation, he starts talking about people, and so one of the idea, one of the problems in phenomenology or philosophy is the uh, idea of solipsism. So solipsism is the idea that nothing exists outside of your own ego. So like everything that's made is um just it's like your brain like your brain is making this like you're kind of in a trip right okay um so he starts arguing against this and he starts saying stuff like uh, like if like when you talk to another person 
Right. You start realizing that that person is uh, um, a psychophysical being who is experiencing the world just as I am. So, like, when I'm talking to you right now, like, I'm looking over you, I'm talking to you. Right. Like, I see you, and, like, I'm talking to you, and I know that you're process. Like, I assume that you're processing what I'm saying, and then you're saying something back to me. But from your end, you're looking at me, you're processing things I'm saying, and then you The exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that that form of, like, like thought process, like, realizing that every person, you know, has their own set of experiences, that lets you think about people in a sense of, like, they're not just a person, they're a person with a story. Right, right. And, like, that's, like, the again, that's, like, the main... I repeat this every time, I feel like. But that's the premise of what I'm doing here is, like, everyone has their own story. Right. So, like, I mean, like, when you're traveling, like, you meet all these different people with all these different stories, and, like, they have so much to offer. Every person has so much to offer. Totally. Um... So yeah, that, you know, life's a trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that's it's weird is that the the people in this in this class that I'm taking, I feel as though they kind of not struggle, but like it, it's difficult for some of them to grasp what's going on in in like the. So what's a good way I can put it? So the readings are not complex, but to really understand what's going on in them, I feel as though. There is, uh, you have to understand different states of like consciousness to really understand. So some, I, I think, I don't think it's impossible, but I think it's difficult for someone who's always been sober to really think about kind of an out of body experience. You know what I mean? I yeah yeah yeah, I get that. Yeah. So um, with that, I'm gonna segue into <laughs> this is this is like one of the central points in this conversation with you is. Um, Drugs. Um, and I don't like using the term drugs. I think it's a hard word. It gives this negative connotation. So I'm just going to say, like, I don't know, you know street pharmacist, and stuff, <laughs> you know? Um, so I just want to go into, like, when you first started experimenting with uh, any form of, like, mind-altering substance. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. I, like, I first started smoking weed, I guess, junior year of high school. Uh, with my brother was the first time I smoked weed on a concert line. Really? For Oxymoron tour. But I really didn't do anything else until college, right? And then once I got to college, it kind of just opens your horizons to, like, what's out there and, you know, what people experience. And you, you like, learn a lot about other people and other people's experiences. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, kind of pushed me to want to know what other people experienced Mm -hmm. i think that's like the 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 genuine motive for a lot of people doing things that they've never done before is just other people have done them and they tell you you know what it's about and you're just like i want to try that for myself Mm -hmm. i guess i yeah that is an interesting i never really thought about it like that that other people have done it hence like i kind of am interested because like a lot of people who i have talked to um who have smoked or who have, you know, who've done substances, um, they'll say, like, I googled, like, you know, what happens when you do this? Like, what are the negatives? What are the positives? Like, what's it for? You know, like, they, like, look into it. It's like, huh, they did it for this. Like, I wonder if I should do it for that. Like, I wonder what would happen if I did it. That's That's an interesting point. I mean, yeah, it's... The the more now that I'm a little older and I've I've gone through, like, a phase of just doing hallucinogens like that, uh, I think it's just kind of reached a plateau and i mean i it just made me more open to things like more open to trying new experiences mm-hmm. i'm not like afraid to try new things like now that i'm you know traveling more it's uh it's opened my eyes to what's really out there like you know uh 
doing hallucinogens like mm-hmm. in other countries with like you know strange people with different languages Dude, that, and, and that, things is, like that. that is so like it's interesting it's it really opens I, your eyes yeah i don't know how to how to put that into perspective because you're like you're 20 you know yeah. like you're not even someone who's like in their mid-20s like yeah. you're just starting life like but you've totally. experienced certain things that a lot of people probably have never experienced ever in in their lives um i mean okay for, before i like start jumping into this like like rabbit hole is um so when was the first time you actually took uh like a a hallucinogen outside of marijuana because marijuana like weed i I don't really consider it uh, like that heavy of a substance anymore given the fact that like it's it's decriminalized yeah it's it's it people think of it as something that is something more than it really is i mean now it's you know starting to become legalized people are trying to see the health benefits of it like you know it's not really that psychoactive of a drug um even though i mean given if you haven't done nothing else it is very psychoactive but but i think the ones that would really change someone's you know perspective really you know change your state of consciousness would be like heavy like hallucinogens so when was the first time you did like a heavy hallucinogen something that like really affected you know your mental state of being um i uh when we sophomore year of college uh just took shrooms with a bunch of friends you know mm-hmm. just around a fire <laughs> listen to music really like just like but really like under like we were with people that have done it before so and they mm-hmm. were the people that kind of gave it to us for like pushing us on i guess right. but they were with us the whole time but i don't know after that like uh once you like once you feel something for the first time you're just kind of just like i want this again right but it, it was never like an addiction it was more just like I want interesting. To, like, I, you yeah, want to explore interesting. that state of being. Yeah, right. Like you, you just learn kind of more about yourself every mm-hmm. time you've done it. But like um, talking to like all the people that I know who have uh, you know done shrooms or has done acid, like they have gone to a state of mind that cannot be replicated in in from any other substance. Like they, every time I've talked to them, they'll they'll tell me it's like oh like I I like am one with nature. Or like I've you know experienced the world in a way that other people you know, haven't, like, there's just something, something, it just opens up more, like, you realize that the, the people I've talked to have realized that there's more to, you know, living than just living, right. um, it kind of, it, it's like, it's just something that opens, like, your, your, I don't want to say third eye, but, like, you know, like, you just, you just think more, in, yeah, in a sense, definitely. okay, so you did that, what, sophomore year of college, right, okay, so, what do you think was one, so, do you think your first time doing that hallucinogen was the one that was like like really like change your your attitudes your perspectives on things or was there like a defining moment later on uh yeah i'll give you an i'll give you a little anecdote right now um, <laughs> do it give it to me give me that <laughs> so one of the one of the first times <laughs> i was uh traveling outside the country it was with my sister uh so was, we were spending three weeks in peru she was doing two weeks uh medical consult uh, assessing pregnant women in Cusco, which is a, a it's the the last stop that the buses will take you before mm-hmm. Machu Picchu, and it's it's like the uh, the cultural center for the Mayans in Peru. So we were there for two weeks. So the last week I split up with her, and uh, I found this lodge, mm-hmm. like downtown Cusco, second floor of a bakery. Mm-hmm. Walk up the stairs, find this like nice old white guy 
you know, uh, who ran a clinic on the border of the Amazon rainforest for ayahuasca, and I oh talked to him for like a couple wait, so wait, hours. Wait, have you done ayahuasca? Yeah, I did it in Peru. Really? Yeah, with this okay. guy. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so, I didn't see that coming. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. But tell me, tell me about this. this if, ayahuasca if there was like one like pivotal moment where I was like, this is like my life. This is the direction I want to take. Like mm-hmm. these are the changes I want to make. It's that trip, like in the Amazon rainforest in the village with oh, shaman. This is some stuff that like I'd hear on. <laughs> Like Joe Rogan's podcast, where he's talking to like Ari Shafir and stuff like that, and they're like yeah. in their like thirties and they've already made it, and they're like out in the rainforest because they got the money. That's <laughs> crazy that you've done it at such a young age. I feel like that that completely changes the path that you that you're gonna go on. Um, what was the process of doing ayahuasca? Because from what I know, from like what I've listened to, like I, obviously I haven't done it. I don't know people who have done yeah. it until now, but um, it's like you have to take uh, what is it, the, the tea from like the tree branches, and but you also have to eat something. Um, yeah, so it's, okay, so basically, um, well, first of all, I just want to say, like, if I could redo this over, I would take it, like, way later in my life, like, when I was 30 or 35, okay. I think I was way too young for it. Yeah, I, yeah. Even, I even the group I was there with, there was eight of us, and I was the youngest by, like, seven years, yeah. I think, out of all of us. I mean, us. what, were you, 19 at the time? I was 19 at the yeah, time, that's, yeah. Dude, so, you don't know who you are <laughs> yet at that time, I mean, that's a, that, I don't know how you survived that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nuts. So I was I was there talking to the guy. He like we arranged transport the next morning. So mm-hmm. the next morning, wake up at six a.m., get on the bus, pick up a bunch of other people from different hostels mm-hmm. and whatnot around Cusco. It's a very small city. It's mm-hmm. in the to the mountains, about six thousand meters above sea level. Right. So we get in the van. We go to the two-hour drive, probably to the edge of the Amazon rainforest. Get get out of the van. You know, get into kind of this like there's a couple huts a couple like physical like structures that have been built there by like construction vehicles and then it's just like a lot of people right so the guy that I was with kind of led us over there there was an instructor there and then medicine men mm-hmm. they just give you the ayahuasca in a bowl okay it's like boiled and processed already when you get it so you just get the actual ayahuasca in a bowl mm-hmm. like the correct dose or right. whatever to your body weight and then so uh, how do they how did they know that you, what your body weight was like like they, you you're with them you're with the medicine men like they okay. they scale you they talk to you the whole time it sounds so like yeah i don't know how to, like it just sounds so like oh like the medicine men like you know it was it was nice I, it was this is like my first time out of the country so i was kind of like or not first time out of the country my first time traveling like backpacking by myself you know with my sister i guess mm-hmm. but so uh we were just in like the clearing we all took one dose each uh each dose lasts about six to seven hours mm-hmm. and then the i guess what is recommended is four doses of ayahuasca which is like the male spirit mm-hmm. and then four doses of wachumi which is like mescaline it's the mm-hmm. same uh just for females it's the same like it's a female spirit yeah. it's the same psychedelic activation like method as uh peyote mm-hmm. mescaline right so it's like a much more euphoric feeling, but I didn't do it. I just I just did the two doses of ayahuasca, so it was about seven hours each, okay. right after another. But the like uh, the actual trip. I mean, I don't really know how to explain it. I think no, it, you can't. No, you it, can't. it'd be like uh, understand. I think it's something that maybe people should experience at least once. Maybe not ayahuasca. I think people should trip at least once in their life. I think so. On, I think well, I, I believe people should work their way up. It's just like yeah, like anything no, totally. else. Like you know, you you can't just you know floor it immediately totally totally um, but you'll understand that other planes like exist yeah I, I okay yeah that makes sense I guess so you didn't have to you didn't have to like eat any I, I thought there was a substance that you had to eat so that the your I, body would actually digest the the ayahuasca or is that I, I might be thinking anything. of I might be thinking of DMT maybe yeah uh, I mean this is the same chemical right 
Okay, I'm a but yeah, DT. you might have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's like the first like I guess really pivotal trip I had. Like there was like. What was your what, what were your biggest takeaways from that trip? Like what changed? I just think? I mean I was 19, so there's not really like my life has been pretty good, pretty uh, mm-hmm. pretty solid. Just I followed like, the path. Nothing so, crazy. Yeah, I was. I just I I just had a greater appreciation for my family. I think, mm-hmm. and uh, a greater appreciation for where I was in life at the time, mm-hmm. and like what the future holds like hope for the future i think is something that i learned throughout that course but it was like a day and a half i was out on the edge of the jungle came back and that was it but definitely one of the most interesting things i've done in my that's, life that, i mean that's awesome yeah. i mean that's so different no one can no one else yeah. can tell me that story and <laughs> i mean that's that's something man um so you've been to you said you've been to the amazon been to cruises um yeah. what's another place in the world that like really stands out to, to you that you think like impacted uh, you're being Guatemala definitely would be the oh, country right. that That's stands you, you out you said you've been mind. to a lot of places in Central South, America Central America, yeah, Central America is, a, is like my my favorite place in the world honestly but Guatemala is what got me there mm-hmm. Guatemala is the first country where I like I solely planned it out I just spun the globe and I, I like put my finger down and it was Guatemala and then that was it I bought my plane tickets and I didn't plan anything else for there. I didn't like, I hadn't have like a place to stay. I just got there for the first night. I had a place planned out. Man, but that I, is so yeah. crazy. Because yeah. most people don't have even like the slightest amount of courage to like, be able to be like, I'm just going to go and I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, I'm going to end up here and I'm going to do things. Yeah. It's just foreign. Con- uh, it's, that's really <laughs> believing that like, uh, like, the globe on like a large scale is full of like people like yeah. you know like our people like our species and that you could go to another continent another country and just find someone and be like can you help me and like, they'll help yeah you. and they'll help you it's crazy it's a crazy yeah. concept to me that's but awesome that's the trip that changed everything that's like what got me in love with travel guatemala man where else do you want to travel I that's definitely want to. I want to finish Central America before mm-hmm. I graduate college. Definitely. So that's San Salvador, Honduras, and Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. And Nicaragua, I'm doing winter break. So San Salvador and Honduras, I have to do before. Uh, that's so many, so many places. Before, before uh, I graduate, so that's May 2018, then I'll be done. Damn, you got places to go. So okay. Yeah. So given that you travel a lot, you're a man who's inebriated very often. <laughs> um, but you're also a man that gets a lot of work done. Yeah. And um. Like, this goes back to, like, how I hate the word of, like, drug. Like, using any substance as a drug. I, I hate that because there's such a harsh, like, like kind of tone to it where it's just like, oh, like, you're like you're doing something wrong. But the thing is, like, you get your work done. You've held many positions. You've, you've worked. I mean, you're a contributing member of society. Yeah, totally. Um, So I want to go into just, like, you know, some of the stuff that you've done, you know, positions you've kind of held or, you know, your, your kind of relationship with uh, substances and like its effect on your ability to, to get work done because i know that you're like again like I, I didn't know your major but i know that you've always gotten your work done it's not like you're a bad student or anything like you, yeah. you you get your you get your stuff done um so i definitely i mean doesn't you know negatively impact everything that you do you're making decisions right so i just want to go into that yeah i mean uh freshman year my gpa was pretty horrible it was like a two point one something okay so you're hanging on yeah i was i was hanging, hanging on, on there uh <laughs> for the for the first two semesters and mm-hmm. then uh, after that semester i realized you know it's really all about time management so no, it is getting getting your work done for the day like i start every day off with a list mm-hmm. list down what what has to be done that day 
like no matter what like i will not i will not go to sleep until that work is done and then i have work that's going to be done later on the week but the work that's done that day is done that day i will not sleep until that's done so damn and like basically once you have that and you set like like not goals for yourself but i guess like like perimeters like you 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 do these things before Mm -hmm. you do other things but not like this is because i also i do the same thing i actually just picked up my list and showed it to him but um I did this all of last year, and last year was the best academic year I've had uh, in my college career. Um, it can't be vague goals. Like, every goal has to be very specific to the day, something that you can finish, something that you know that, like, you can kind of track. Like, sometimes I'll write down, it's like, start this assignment. And then, like, I'll write my name on, a like, a, like a Google Doc, and I'll be like, oh, I mean, I started it, and I'll close it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, I realize it has to be a specific, like, goal-oriented yeah. um, uh, uh task something that you know you can track and know that you'll get you'll be able to get done in a day like it has to be realistic right smart goals yeah keep them realistic so when you start implementing like time scheduling and how did you implement it um i mean as far as drug usage throughout this period it's kind of just what can you take and give and keep the things that you want to do mm-hmm. so once you realize that you have a certain amount of time in the day and then take out sleeping and eating it's really just how much work can you fit into like every minute right so i think last couple like last two semesters i literally like budgeted out my day by the minute really and looked at what what time i was wasting like what time i was spending at certain things i mean you talk to like any life coach and you you tell them that you're like one of the problems you have is a busy life or you have too many things to do the first thing i'll tell you is to budget every minute every day and you'll see how much time you're wasting so I'm. I mean, I started. I mean, you're running that operations position already. Yeah. Running it on your life. Yeah. I just, I just want to like, if I have 16 hours of awake time in the day, I want those 16 hours to be like the most efficient, like the most value additive hours, mm-hmm. I can possibly right. have. So started biking to class. I started cutting down time on like, eating. So I would eat when I study. Like I'd read when I eat. Huh. Uh, and like really and, optimizing every time. Yeah. Like so. Like I mean, you don't really have to give up things that you you want to do or that you love to do like like i love to bike uh like i love to write mm-hmm. i mean like i really you like writing yeah what, so what do you write uh, i i write i write journals from like every country i go to like 100 page journals like easily really? yeah easy huh. so like for, like I, I just cool. want to like document everything so pretty much every like hour of the every trip i've gone on is documented but like you don't have to give up things you love if you really just push things into blocks mm-hmm. that you manage like and you manage those blocks correctly right. it's time management is really just a game and it's really just getting better at it as yeah you, as i agree with on. that i think the so. best way to look at it is looking at it as a game um yeah. people look at it as just like oh it's another day it's you know another one more thing to do it's just like they're there it's not like um you're not proactive if you're not proactive then things are just getting thrown at you yeah you know what i mean it's exactly. like if you're not really planning ahead it's like you know, it'll be Monday and you'll be like, I got to get something done. You'll forget about it. It'll be Thursday and you'll be like, oh crap, I had to do this assignment. And you completely forgot and just thrown at you now. And you're like, I got it. Like, I, I'm just, you know, like rushing to get it done. You're behind now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, being proactive, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Just try to be up to date. Just try to get everything done on time right. before. Okay. I'm... But the one thing is knowing, I know you and I've known that you can wake up, take a bong rip and then <laughs> continue on your day's act, like day's work. Yeah. Like. Like you're probably the most capable person in terms of like, like work to inebriation ratio. 
Like, <laughs> you can get all of your stuff done, but, like, the thing is, like, you'll probably be, like, relatively stoned for, like, a good good amount of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's taken a couple years to get to that point, but, uh, honestly, like, it's not, it's, I mean, smoking is kind of just a routine, it's kind of just part of my life, it's just, like, a standard behavior that's, mm-hmm. that, like, I engage in. It's not, like, even something that you really affects think my work or... Really? I, I think if it... Like, the promise I always made to myself internally, like, I haven't told this to a lot of people, but, like, if if smoking affected my work, and, like, I really noticed it, mm-hmm. and, like, started affecting my GPA, I would totally quit. Really? Like, everything. And okay, immediately. And, like, because I'm, at the end of the day, I'm here to learn, right? I'm here to get yeah. a good GPA and get a good job, so, like, I, I can't let anything harm that. So, at the end yeah. of the day, if it ever affected my work, totally, I'd be down to stop it. But it hasn't yet. It hasn't. I've been so on the dean's list for the last, like, <laughs> three, four semesters. Hey, there you go. So, I mean. That's what's up. Yeah, it's, it's really about improvement, I think. Any, anything. Like, it just gets better so when was that? When was the last time you were sober for an extended period of time? <laughs> uh, I was backpacking Costa Rica. I just couldn't find any weed down there. <laughs> <laughs> A super dry country. <laughs> so when you okay? So when you backpack Costa Rica? Uh, did it a lot at the end of the summer. I did my sister because end we, of we last summer a little bit. So summer twenty twenty seventeen. Yeah, okay. I, I did Belize in the beginning with my right, brother, right. We're and then about I before. and then I worked, and then I did uh, Costa Rica with my sister. But uh, they were just dry there. Yeah, it was, <laughs> that's it was, unfortunate. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> I was with my sister anyway, so it's whatever. I mean, that's probably a good time. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was a site that, like, stood out the most in Costa Rica? Because I know my uncle has, a, he has like, vacation property out in Costa Rica. Oh, do you know where? I have no idea where. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never asked him. I don't know why I never asked him. I probably <laughs> should. I could probably go to Costa Rica and just hang out at his, like, vacation house. Sure, I'm nice. going to find that out now. But, um... Yeah, we, yeah uh, I don't really know anything that's in Costa Rica. So, like, what's, like, something it's, that's... It's nice. There's a lot of good hiking there. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of volcanoes. I think... Something that's uh Capo or no no uh, Monte Verde and Santa Elena they're they're two they're two towns that are really next to each other and they're right at the altitude where clouds form so you have all this water vapor getting collected in this mountain valley and then it pours over that mountain and goes over Santa Elena and Monte Verde mm-hmm. so the whole town is built on like a forty five degree grade like the whole town is steep man like there's handrails on the sidewalk because you you can't <laughs> walk really without falling so. But that so it's definitely not handicap accessible. No, totally not. You, you're in a wheelchair, just rolling down rolling across down. the town. But uh, beautiful, beautiful couple cities, uh, and the, the wildlife there is it's like one of the most biologically diverse areas on the planet. So rainforest, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. cloud forest. So it's cloud forest. It's like the, oh, look at that. Yeah, like the. <laughs> I didn't it was, know that was a thing. Yeah, so it was uh, pretty insane. It's probably like one of the coolest things. You find a lot of animals there. Yeah, everything. Sloths. What was, the what was the coolest animal? I think sloths, probably, because, like, God, you never... Sloths. Like, sloths, like, sloths only live in, like, two countries in the world. Because well, Costa Rica's Costa one. Costa Rica was and Nicaragua. Nicaragua, okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty do much sloths where they live. Do it. From what I know, from meme, from meme culture and the internet, sloths <laughs> don't do it. So they're just very slow and don't do anything. Yeah, super And slow. apparently they, they, like, are not the smartest, um, so they'll end up just, like, kind of slowly, like, going... Like, I wouldn't... Actually, I wouldn't compare them to squirrels. I think there's slower and very very slow yeah, yeah they don't move at all like, yeah we only saw we saw a couple sloths but only one of them was really moving and <laughs> but, the, but the wildlife there was incredible i mean i i live in the suburbs all we get is deer mm-hmm. you know yeah i'm kind of sick of deer. they don't really <laughs> so, the deer don't really do anything they kind of just yeah, get startled look at you and <laughs> leave it's like all right peace. that's, that's <laughs> about it so, seeing that wildlife was definitely cool but i think i think anytime you travel you see something different it's worth it yeah definitely definitely Okay, so um, talk about where you've been, all that stuff. Um, so 
what I want to get into it now, um, and this is gonna this is gonna take a while to talk about, is your history being a street pharmacist. <laughs> Again, I'm not gonna say I don't like the words. I'm not gonna use that word. But um, so you started smoking uh, sophomore year, no, junior year of high school. Yeah, right? junior, yeah, junior year, year of high school. So when did you make the shift from you know just smoking to you know kind of helping people you know not be dry as well? Uh, basically. As soon as I got here and I realized it was profitable to not only smoke weed, but sell weed, mm-hmm. you know, while you're doing that. So then you just, you know, you buy an ounce and you smoke a little bit and you sell a little bit and then it just goes up and up and up. And then, you know, you're building a client base and you're moving right. into different industries and you're like yeah, going out like different areas. Right <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you build, like it's, it's literally like, if there's anything I can say that will get better with practice i guess is this i mean <laughs> the more the more time you spend with it this the, the better you get them i mean i the feel like that's anything you get. yeah it really is anything like practice makes anything better but uh i mean i'm not particularly proud of like what i did but it's something i did i mean i, I mean I, it, I see it supports me it's there's a demand and you're yeah supply it's all it yeah, is i don't see anything more than that realistically that's basically all it is but i mean there's like there's great risks in it too no uh, yeah obviously it's just it's just when you and you're again you're someone who cares about his you know yeah you know his career path like, yeah like careers first like grades are first totally yeah. But at the same time, if I can fund travel and, you yeah, know, which is, I think that was the, that was the, the most end. interesting thing that I took away from uh, a conversation we had before was you said that all the trips that you've had thus far were funded by the fact that you, you know, were, yeah, yeah I mean, not all of them. I mean, I had like legitimate jobs throughout the oh, period. That, that's that's also true. That's but also yeah, true. no, totally. I mean, it's, it's, I don't look at being a street pharmacist as a, as like like it's it's part of my identity it's something i do like it's mm-hmm. something i do that supports something i love huh. so it's like it's if it's something that can get me money to i know ascertain things that i want to do why not why not and i mean it's easier than getting a job and at the end of the day you are supplying a need so yeah. even if i wasn't here not right, doing anything there bad. Would be if someone you're not else. if you're not the guy that's doing it someone right. else is the guy doing it right and on so, top of that it's like being uh you know i don't know like uh, let's just say just selling marijuana it's like that's not really that big of a deal really nowadays it's just like oh like it's, it's everyone, more of a supply and demand yeah thing it's really all it is it's a it's the business aspect of yeah. it which you know makes sense as a business major yourself but now I'm getting older, I, I, I realize that there's uh, benefits in doing things legitimately. So that's right, the direction right, right. I'm moving in. So what So what positions have you held thus far and what positions do you plan on holding later on down the line? Like professionally? Yeah. Um, so you, uh, considering that you're from a background of like operations research or yeah. like uh, business operations, I'm assuming you've held like kind of like analytical or business like uh, positions where you're just kind of looking at the inventory, looking at stuff that's going on, like yeah. the ins and outs of the company. Um, so yeah, like what are some of the positions you've held? Um, as far as professionally, uh, my local 4-H, I was a state ambassador, county ambassador, uh, handled all the representation for New Jersey State. I'm a huge 4-H for eight years going. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with FFA. But professionally, I was an account manager over at a big telecommunications company. Mm-hmm. I was also a supply chain management operator and account manager for a large car insurance firm Mm -hmm. that does uh business nationally but uh i mean i've 
done a lot of things. I was I worked at a startup 3D printing firm doing operations. What did they print? They build 3D printers. Oh, they, okay. They build. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, we okay. we made. Do uh, they 3D print the 3D printers? No, oh, okay. no. But they were they were working on printers that worked <laughs> in metal. Desk. But uh, yeah, I, I worked there uh, consolidating bill of materials and uh, consolidating protocol. But uh, that's the thing about business. It's really all about experience. It's not mm-hmm. everyone graduates with a in business at least everyone graduates with a degree everyone anyone can get an undergraduate right. business degree it's just a piece of it's paper all, yeah it's just a piece of paper that, that opens the door for you it's really about the experience that you get in through college so the last couple of years I've been interning everywhere applying everywhere I think the my summer internship was to a 10 week program and I applied I called and emailed probably over 100 companies before I you like directly called and yeah. emailed them yeah like I called like 10 companies a day for weeks really I wanted I I wanted to line up offers I wanted to get the best possible offer so I just put in the work and so I, you, I so got that off I got this is the company I wanted to work for before I even looked at the offers the so first offer I got into what would you say when you call them so like who did you call first of all um Steve Jobs had a speech about this actually, but because like, when he worked at Hewlett Packard, he just called the uh, the or he emailed like one of the head administrators at mm-hmm. Hewlett and Packard, and he got a job there doing things that he already knew how to do, mm-hmm. learning in his garage. So I think a lot a lot of people just underrate the fact that boards of companies like have email addresses. You can email a uh, board of directors for large yeah, companies. Yeah, because I'm thinking about this right now. I don't do that. Yeah. I'm looking for a job <laughs> now that I'm here. I'm, I'm out here just putting out applications on the regular websites and like being like a normal average Joe. I did that too. I, I, I did. I mean, this internship, I got through Indeed. But uh-huh. like just applying to places and emailing people doesn't yeah, hurt. See, I like, learned I, a lot about applying to places just from emailing people. Yes, yeah, like I, that's something I don't do. I don't go out of my way and just like email like directly to maybe like I'll email the company every once in a while, but I don't email like specific like the, the individuals that are in charge of like what they're You're doing. You're not supposed to. Okay, that's what makes you stand up. Uh-huh. I mean, I never I thought about thought it either. Like, but. I always thought like if I email them, I feel as though they're going to be like, why are you emailing me? But at the same time, like they are recruiting, so it only makes sense for them to find those who are trying are to get this job. Or like applying. Yeah. Even if they're they're just like, why are you emailing me? Like I don't know you. Like go to admissions. Mm-hmm. They still see that you emailed like a board of director. Like you're putting in the work. You're not just going through the regular application protocol and applying on a third party website or like iSims or something and getting mm-hmm. the job. You're emailing the. You're actively looking into their company for people that you can like network with to get a job there. I did the same thing with Barclays. I did the same thing with J.P. Morgan Chase. I did the same thing with Goldman Sachs. Just trying to get turned in all these places. No, no, no. Oh, okay, I was about to I say. Mean, I mean, I was just trying. This but... is quite a rap sheet you had. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the the car insurance company that I wanted to work for was was one of the few companies that uh, called me back and accepted me for a job. And it's it's the company that I wanted to work for. Mm-hmm. They gave me twenty four hours to accept the job, and I didn't even need that. It took like fifteen minutes. Called my parents. I was like, I'm taking this job. Took it. Man, you can didn't human. regret it at all. That's entrepreneurship right there. Yeah. You're killing what you want to do right there. Hundred <laughs> percent fits you perfectly. So um, you have a history of business. Your family has a history of business. You've been doing business, both street and actual business, um, and you want to start a business. So I mean, given the fact that you know we're twenty, we don't really have many funds. We don't really have money. We don't really know what we're gonna end up doing. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, unmapped type shit. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, within the next couple of years, and I ask this to every person at the end of this, is um, where do you see yourself or what do you want to do for the next couple of years before you can inevitably do what you want to do long term, which is owning a business? Before I can do what I want to do long term. Yeah. 
well, the, or like, what do you think your path is going to be to you know try to get yourself get get yourself to that position of realistically? Some, yeah. Okay, realistically, what I see myself doing after college is uh, I got an offer from the internship I went with this summer. Mm-hmm. So I'd just be doing that job for like a base salary, like sixty, sixty-five thousand uh, dollars, just doing car insurance. Mm-hmm. But if I do that for a couple of years, did my MBA while I'm at the company, they pay for it, mm-hmm. right? Maybe like move me up in position. Maybe I make a career there, right? Mm-hmm. But if I don't, I get a, I get an MBA paid for out of that company. I get a valuable in, uh, experience. Right. I'm, I don't have a gap in my resume. You and have, I, you have like you have money. Right, right. I'm, I'm filling that funds, time from yeah. college to when I get my next job. Yeah. So I work at this company. Find a job in finance or operations or back end operations that I can mm-hmm. do like another company. Work my way up there. Once I have enough capital, start investing in myself. Start investing in businesses. Start mm-hmm. investing in franchises. Mm-hmm. Start building a platform where I can where my wealth grows wealth. Mm-hmm. That's the end goal. Yeah, I want my money to make key. money for me. Uh, dude, that's, that's the key. That that's is the, the key. key to. I mean, uh, you probably know uh, Tony Robbins talks about that all the time. Yeah. I don't know if you've read The Richest Man in Babylon. Um, it's a great book, and one of the main, like, the key takeaways from that book for me was um, making sure that one, you're always putting away a certain amount of money for savings so it can grow. Um, the one of the takeaways from Tony Robbins is compound interest is the the power of compound interest. Um, and just like time, and um. Just like making sure your investments, like it's your money making money for you. Like it's not, it's it's in the background. It's you know active. It's it's not something that you're actively doing. It's just passive but it's, income. It's, but it's it's paying dividends. Yeah, like it's exactly. you're getting you're getting that money back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't think about long term investments no, at that age, but that this is the time to think about long term investments when you're young, it when is. you have a lot of your life. You left. need to like understand what your investments are going to be in your twenties before you hit your twenties. Yeah, like when you're in your you know in your like early 20s and you actually have a career and you're like making money you need to figure out what you're going to be doing with that money and you have to have that again being proactive like we're saying before like you have to have that plan beforehand because you if you're in it and you're just getting money thrown at you you're just going to be like oh look money exactly and you're gonna be able to do stuff with it but i mean if you go into it and understand like i'm going to be making you know 60 to 70 to i don't know ninety thousand dollars more a year like i'm going to be making this much money it's like i you choose beforehand like what you can do with that money you can do a lot with it right and if you do it right like you can end up where you want to be that's the goal so Just save the money get an mba proper financial management mm-hmm. get, get get my education done i mean ideally if i didn't have to do my if i didn't have a company that was paying for my mba right out the gate i would do my mba later at like 30 35 mm-hmm because uh, I don't know a lot of people that I've talked to that have done their MBA just mm-hmm. recommend doing it for the networking. Yeah, most, most people that I've talked to they said the MBA yeah. is not really as much for uh, the skills that you get from the MBA. It's, it's networking. It's for networking. It's working up like a corporate ladder more so than yeah. So like if you're going in an entry level position, it doesn't really you don't really need it necessarily. Right. But later on down the line, it's like if you really want to you know up if you want to upgrade if you want to yeah. like move up in the company you yeah. need an MBA. Yeah. So if I get that early on, you know why not. But ideally, I would get a job right out the bat, like, you know, work my ass mm-hmm. off. I'm okay working 10 years, like 70 hour weeks. If 70. I can like provide, the man says 70. <laughs> if I can provide like my family, like financial stability later on the line and mm-hmm. I can retire like 55, 60, mm-hmm. like I'm okay, like working my ass off for 10 years. If I can like have a good life for yeah. the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally okay with that. I think hard work, if anything, will give you an appreciation for what for you have. For free time. You'll value yeah. the free time. You'll more. value everything you have. Yeah. So work in your 20s, relax in, I don't know, like late 30s and yeah. stuff like that. And just kind of focus more on yourself and your investments, like uh, personal business growth at that time. Totally. All right, yeah. That makes sense. All right. That's a good wraparound. All right, man. Thank you for being here.
Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Good talk. Peace out, guys.